0: Hey man well we're uh, we're in sphere theory and I've uh, been talking about this for a few weeks I have this message today I have one more message uh, for next week and then we're gonna move on to some other things but uh, I've been I've loved this uh, concept of sphere theory and and it's taken out of second uh, Corinthians chapter 10 which is a passage uh, actually second Corinthians 10 we've been in it forever uh, we talked about head games for a while and uh, now we've been talking for a few weeks about about. about sphere theory, and uh, sphere theory comes out of this passage in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, starting in verse 12, that says, for we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're without understanding, but we will not boast beyond our measure. But within the measure of the sphere, which God apportioned to us as a measure, to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. Not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we shall be within our sphere enlarged even more by you, so the big idea that is uh, that we're kind of building around is this concept that Paul recognized that he had the measure of a sphere uh, God apportioned to him, uh, and that was reaching to the Corinthians. He didn't have, not everybody, not every city, uh, not everything was within his sphere, but, uh, but within his sphere was the Corinthian church, and God had measured that out to him. So we've been talking about this for a few weeks, that every one of us has a sphere that God apportions to us. And I'm hoping that uh, over time is, I've been talking about this week after week now, uh, and I'm hesitant to, to regroup, but I'm always realizing there are new people that are here for the first time today, or people who actually are part of our church, but they only come every once in a while, and, uh, and they could get this idea. But I'm also hoping that if you have heard the bulk of these uh, messages, that you are starting to recognize uh, and identify What is within the sphere that God has apportioned to you? What is your assignment on this earth? And who are you? What is your identity to fulfill that assignment? So within your sphere, there are certain people. So if you're married, uh, your wife is in your sphere. Your husband is in your sphere. If you have kids, they're in your sphere. There are certain friendships that God has put in your sphere. God has assigned them to you. And you you're the only one that can be their husband you're the only one that can be their wife and there are there are needs within a person's soul that only a husband can meet there are needs within a a person's soul that only a wife can meet your assignment from heaven is meet those needs for your spouse amen and uh i'm not going to go too far into that uh but uh, but I, but I think there not, not just the people that are in your family, but there are people that you're called to do life with, that uh, that are within your sphere. And uh, I I have talked about the idea that uh, I I really have recognized my assignments. Suzette and I, my, our assignment to pastor this church and lead this church for this will be 28 years coming up this October or September and. But I believe that there are some of you who are just as assigned to this church as we are. You're not assigned to the same role that we are assigned to, but maybe you're assigned to the role of praying. Maybe you're assigned to the role of giving. Maybe you're assigned to the role of ministering to children. Maybe you're assigned to the role of any number of things that are a part of this, but you know that this is your assignment, to be a part of this house. And, and I just, I don't think it's a healthy thing for us to spend our days moving around from church to church to church. Just like I don't think it's a healthy thing for us to move from spouse to spouse to spouse. Somewhere you gotta figure out this is my assignment and, and I, I'm, I'm gonna bring my best and my most current best to this every, uh, every time that I possibly can. But uh, there, are, there are certain callings that God has given to you that he hasn't given to others and there are certain concerns. God wants to use you to solve some kind of problem on this planet. And, and that's one of the reasons that you're here. You are a channel that God wants to pour himself through to reach this planet. So uh, I'm hoping that we are refining a little bit and recognizing there are certain responsibilities that God has given to me, but also there's a certain anointing on you to do what you're called to do. So these guys get up here and lead worship and they're anointed to do that. They're anointed to sing and some of us aren't. (laughs) In other words, it blesses us that you don't have a mic. (laughs) Now we're all called to worship, make a joyful noise. That's what the most of us do, making noise. One of the reasons that we make the music so loud is so that you could sing at the top of your lungs and nobody will hear you. Yeah, that's what it's, that's really what this is about. Come on, we're not stupid about everything, but there's an anointing on you to do certain things and, and, and to apprehend that anointing with a sense of faith to say, God, you've anointed me to make money. (laughs) You've anointed me to sell things. You've anointed me to minister to kids. You've anointed me to be a teacher. You've anointed me uh, with carpentry skills. You've anointed me with any kind of thing that God has given to you that you can operate under his anointing, his empowerment. It's all part of your God assigned sphere. And as we're journeying through this, I hope that you you're not going, Pastor, I've been hearing you say that for weeks, but you're not actually recognizing your assignment and your sphere. that That's the point of this. So some things are in my assignment sphere, and some things are not. And that's okay to recognize. It's actually very important to recognize. You cannot be anything you want to be. Whoever told you that was not telling you the truth. But you can be the greatest you that God has ever created on this planet, and there's no other you. That's why God created you, because they needed one of you. So be the best you that you could possibly be for the glory of God. And actually, next week, I'm going to talk about uh, the, the trap of comparison, and uh, we're going to end this off, and I'm actually looking forward to that in a serious way. I like to picture my sphere as a, a solar system um, and, and I, I, I'm praying that this idea gets clear to all of us because I think there can be a, I first learned this in adjusting my leadership thinking, but I've come to realize it's really just all of life, that somehow we feel like if we are kind of at the top down, giving order, directions, managing people and projects and command and control, and we're doing it with everything, you know, in our world, that's how we're going to create a the kind of world that God has for us, but I'm asking you to picture your your life not as a top down kind of you are trying to be in control of everything because I hope you recognize that you're not in control. You're barely in control of yourself. Come on. You know that's true, don't you? So, yeah, so forget about trying to be in control of others or the economy. And as you recognize that you are like the sun in a solar system, that the, our solar system, and that, that everything revolves kind of around you, not like you're the center of the universe, but there's something about you that, that God has established you as the center of your solar system, and, and I always recognize that God has great things in store for my sphere, for my assignment, but, but I, am, I, am, uh, I am impacting directly what God can do within my sphere by my measure of faith. In other words, the grace of God wants to give me incredible things, but faith still has to apprehend grace. Isn't that what the Bible teaches, right? And so there's got to be something inside of my soul that if I'm constantly living with self-doubt or doubt of God or doubt of the goodness of God, it's very difficult for my faith to grasp the grace of God that wants to pour things into my life. And I would, I would venture to say that when you're in that mode, that's when you're probably starting to try to be in control of everything that's going on around you instead of trusting God with your life. He, he can be trusted. So, so really, whatever God wants to do in my sphere uh, is enlarged or decreased by my faith my ability to take a risk of any kind—if uh, God's calling me to move forward into something—if God's calling me to leave something behind—my uh, love for people, my love for the thing that God has given me to do, my ceilings, my thinking—and I don't. By when I—I I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Our thinking—I'm not talking about any of us being a neuroscientist, <laughs> you know. I'm not talking about you knowing everything that needs to be known. I'm just talking about the patterns of your thinking, that they are aligned with the Word of God so that you can receive everything God has for you. Amen. And uh, your perspectives, your attitude, all of that is is impacting your solar system, your sphere. So I've been talking about this for a few weeks, and um, uh, I'm going to give you today uh, some key ingredients. I've already talked about a bunch of these, but let's, let's just uh, throw these up on the screen. Seven key ingredients to growing your sphere. Number one is attraction, and I spent a long time on that. Two is presence. Three is love. Four is density. Uh, five is invitation. Six is culture. Seven is the right connections. And actually, the title of my message today is Magic or Tragic Connections. So let me take a few moments and... Uh, Uh, just walk through a couple of these real quick and then land on this idea. Let's talk about density for a minute. Density uh, is not describing your your brain. Uh, Density is this idea. The density of the sun controls what can orbit around it. And as long as it has enough gravitational pull, it can keep the planets that are in the sun's solar system surrounding it and circling and cycling around it. And my encouragement to you today is this, that you would keep your density full so that your presence can carry a sense of impact that blesses and helps those who are in your solar system. A black hole is over the top density. <laughs> you you want to avoid black hole people. <laughs> Anybody ever met a black hole? Come on. You got a name, you got a face coming right up there that a black hole is a location in space that um, that possesses so much density and so much gravity that nothing can escape its pull. Even light is sucked in to a black hole. And uh, there are, there are I, I think it's fascinating. I, I think that would not be cool to be flying by, you know? It's like all of a sudden you are sucked in to the density of a, of a black hole. And the scientists have actually recently discovered a black hole that's been, that's been eating up a star for 10 years. Uh, so, I mean, it's just nibbling away. What an evil black hole that is. And, but, uh, but, but I, so you wanna avoid black holes in life. And there are people that are black holes and uh, they will never be satisfied. Um, one thing I've discovered is this, uh, you can never really do anything with the unwilling. So quit trying to convince the unwilling. The only people that you can ever work with in life are the willing. So um, the unwilling are black holes. There are some people who are never made happy. And you might think, oh, I'm gonna make them happy. (laughs) Welcome to the black hole. You are gonna get sucked in. But what I wanna talk about for you and I to own is this idea, is that the density of the sun keeps all the planets in the solar system and within its orbit, within its sphere. And your density is about keeping yourself healthy and whole spiritually, like looking after yourself spiritually, Uh, looking after yourself emotionally looking after yourself even physically so that you are carrying a sense of of substance and density that is continuing to bless what's in your solar system anybody following my train of thought here I'm saying to you, you've got you to keep working on your, your, your health, uh, your emotional health, your spiritual health. you got to keep feeding the anointing that's on your life. The, the price for the anointing is time that's spent in the presence of God. And if you avoid spending time in the presence of God, you diminish the anointing that's on your life. Now, I'm anointed to do what I do, but you're anointed to do what you do. And, and to keep that sense of the oil flowing and keep that sense of the, the, the presence of God and the Holy Spirit alive in your life, the price for that is time. Nobody else can pay that time for you, nobody else can do your push ups. Yeah, you you've got nobody else can do that for you you've got to do that church can help you but church cannot replace your time spent in the presence of god and and this is this is not about rules and regulations and laws and legalism this is about loving the person of god this is about loving the presence of god this is about about disciplining yourself ah! I just cursed in church. It's about disciplining yourself to have a consistent time with God. It's not, about, it's not about perfection. It's about just get up again and go after it and get up again and go after it and keep going. Spend time in the presence of God. You got to stay developed in your inner man. Keeping your joy full is, is part of you staying healthy. Uh, your joy is your strength. And don't become a black hole that requires other people to make you happy. It's not, it's not Suzette's job to make me happy. It's my job to be happy and bring my happy to our relationship. And I... I I create substance. I create density when I take care of who's going to be happy? Me. And I'm going to bring my happy, my joy to every situation that I walk in. Everybody follow me. So your density matters. Your 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 love. L- love is love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. And so you're making a choice to love people. You're making a choice to prefer. You're making a choice to bless them. You're making a choice to support them. And, and that's, that's stuff you've got to keep going on the inside of you. Because after enough, you know, relational stuff, you can quit walking in love. Your strength, your character, your character matters. And... Now, and what, whether whether you are a person, nobody in this room is perfect, but you can love the truth, and you can be devoted to living by God's truth and living by God's way of living life, and and the, your character is going to be a part of your density, your substance, your your spirit of faith is going to be. It, because you are going to build your world by your faith in God. You're going to build your world by your confidence that is believing and trusting in God, not self confidence, but God confidence, where you're leaning in to the person of God and you're trusting him to fulfill his word. I think I'm preaching this better than some of you guys are amening. I'm hearing a couple of amens, but. But I'm just saying to you that that you're, you're, you're taking care of you. I, I, I do believe in helping each other. I do believe in even taking care of other people. But I do believe that one of the greatest acts of love that I can offer to any Person, any relationship, one of the greatest acts of love I can offer to you as a church, being your pastor, is this: I am committed. I will take care of me for you. I'm not. A, I, I am asking you to help me, just like uh, just like you would ask other people to help you. But at the end of the day, I'm not just taking care of me for me. I'm taking care of me for you. And you got to have that idea. You fly on the plane, and they, are, they go through the same thing. They tell you how to buckle your seatbelt, please. Do we need this instruction? <laughs> but they'll always tell you, in case of an emergency, oxygen mass will fall out down from above your seat. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And then if you have children, put it on them. And I, I for the longest time, thought, I'm going to put it on my babies. I, I, mean, I, I am going to, until I realized, if you're not breathing, <laughs> you can't help anybody else. So you got to put it on yourself first. All right, number five, how do you grow your sphere is invitation, invitation. So Mark 1, verse 17, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. J- Jesus invited them into his sphere. He invited them into his solar system. And I want to encourage you, uh, not only for your own life, but for, for the life of this church, that you would become an inviting person. That you are always finding ways, looking for ways, looking for opportunities to invite people into your world and invite people into the church. Yeah. 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 Jesus created his fear. He created his following. He created his solar system by saying, come follow me. He didn't, he didn't say, come obey rules. He said, come follow me come into my world, come into my solar system, come into the way that I live life. And I'm convinced that one of the greatest evangelistic moves we could ever make is to invite people into our world. I remember when I was in Bible college and we were with a young man uh, driving the car and he was, he was um, real zealous, but not so clever yet. And somebody, we had pulled up to a stop sign and, and somebody uh, had, was, was trying to get our attention and he rolled down his window and they said, do you know how to get to such and such a place? And he goes, yeah, go here, here, here. And by the way, Jesus loves you. And then he rolled up his window real fast and took off. And, and sometimes I wonder if that's not the way many Christians invite people to church is, "Hey, you should come to my church." <laughs> and roll the window up." <laughs> and somehow, by throwing an invite card or can I hear what I'm saying? Yeah. There, are, there are literally thousands, multiple, tens of thousands of people in our area that need hope, they need love, they need God, you know, they, they, they need what you have. And I'm encouraging you to be an inviter, that you are inviting people into your world, not just for evangelism, uh, which is important, But I think that this whole idea of inviting is a powerful thing. Proverbs um, 11, verse 30 says this, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. He who is wise wins souls. And I know in the past I've heard this taught that it's a person who's wise will be out soul winning, trying to win people to Christ. But let me just give us, and that is a good thing, but let me give us another angle on this because I think it's important to understand that that your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And to win people's souls, to win their mind, to win their will, to win their emotions, takes wisdom. It takes wisdom to win somebody's soul. And we are not, like I said, we're trying to move away from this top-down command and control sort of approach to life. But, But what we are recognizing is that you you have a mind you have a will you have choices you have emotions and 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 if, if i'm going to invite you into my world i've got to use some wisdom to win your soul it takes wisdom to win people's souls so you will grow your sphere by by invitation open up your life and for people to come into it in a few weeks Um, right after Easter, we are going to have a rock group uh, semester and and you're going to get invited or maybe you won't get invited. So maybe this would be a good time to invite yourself and be a part of something where you're connecting with people and you are learning. That's how you're going to build friendships, win their soul. Not that they have to be your friend, but they want to be your friend. All right, number six is this uh, culture, and I want to encourage you to create your culture on purpose. Create your culture on purpose. Culture is the atmosphere of your solar system. Uh, Culture is the atmosphere. Our church has a culture, Um, your home has a culture, your business has a culture. It's funny to me, I, uh, we, we like to go to Starbucks, we love coffee, and it's always amazing to me to walk into a different Starbucks because some Starbucks I walk into feel very welcoming, and some Starbucks I walk into feel like, what you doing here, Willis? <laughs> Same coffee... Same cups, same brown and gray and orange decor, same process, but the culture of one is very different than the culture of another. And our friend Dr. Sam Chan says that culture eats strategy for lunch. So a great strategy will be gobbled up by a dysfunctional culture. Your culture, the culture of, of your family, the culture of our church. I well, all the guys that I know that are that are great leaders, um, and primarily I know most of them in the in the church and pastoral world. Is there's this atmosphere around them? There's this culture around them. There's this this ethos that is within their church. And culture is, this is how we do things around here. This is, this is how things happen. This is, this is who we are. And I'm encouraging you to create your culture, whether it's the culture of your friendships or the culture of your family or the culture of your business that you're involved in or the culture of your world that, because that's the atmosphere of your solar system. Culture's going to happen. It's either going to happen by design or default. It's, it's going to take place. And so I don't know what your family culture is, and I don't know what kind of family culture you grew up in, but, but you can create a family culture. You can create a family culture that values telling the truth. You can create a family culture that, that honors... So we, you know, we taught our kids growing up, and now I'm teaching my grandson. You say yes, sir, yeah. not yeah, yes, sir. And you might think, oh, that's just southern. I don't care what you think. <laughs> I'm, I'm teaching my kids. I'm teaching my grandson to honor their elders. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't call, amen. I'm call. You know, call them by their first name. That's just, that's, I know that's way Southern, but I don't care because I am teaching honor because it's a culture that I want our family to live in. We, and we're not just teaching them to honor up. We, we honor up, down, all around, right? We honor each other. We respect each other. So I don't know what your family culture is like, but do you have a family culture that honors Do you have a family culture that that loves telling the truth? Do you have a family culture? Do you have a family culture that yells? (laughs) Somebody goes, well, kind of on the way to church today, it slipped in. Do you have a family culture that that loves? Do you have a family culture that hugs? Do you have a family culture that expresses affirmation? And and I mean, you guys know I could take it entirely to the negative and I don't wanna do that this morning. There's a lot of negative family culture. And, And we have this ability to create that. Our church has the ability to have that, and I'm just encouraging you to to understand. You gotta gotta define your values. You gotta define your culture. You gotta understand that culture is more than just rules and regulations and policies and procedures. Culture is the atmosphere. Everybody say the atmosphere. Uh, One of our favorite stores for the longest time has been Nordstrom, and um, Nordstrom is an incredible place for customer service in that uh you you will always feel like you are treated like a king like a queen when you walk in there my wife says nordstrom heals and um and and because because of of their their desire to bless their desire to you know it's not like the stuff they sell is any different or not and, and they have, a, they have this, this culture that has been created, this amazing customer service culture that has been created. Uh, and it's simply uh, formed by this idea. When people start working at Nordstrom, and like, they're given guidelines for how much vacation time you get, or here's what your insurance is gonna be like, and all that. But the truth is, they give people a little card that says, use your own judgment. That's <laughs> scary huh that's that's giving up control use your own judgment to give the customer the highest quality experience possible there are no other rules and i could i could say without a doubt In any store that I've ever shopped in, my greatest customer service experiences have happened in a Nordstrom. And I think that some people think that to create a culture is by giving it a bunch of rules, but I look at them and I go, they have created this amazing customer service environment, not by lots of rules, but by creating an environment, by creating a culture. Come on, moms, dads. Come on, where you work. Come on, church. Like, I want, I want our culture to be a worshiping culture. Right? So there's no rules about it, but, but the, the truth is we all enter into that. All right, here's my last thing, seventh thing. And uh, I want to talk about connecting with the right others. Connecting with the right others others. So this verse, verse 15, that's in this passage we've been reading, it says this, I'm not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we shall be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. So He says, as your faith grows, our sphere grows. And what I want to submit to you is that your world grows as the people in your world grow. And your world shrinks because of the people that are in your world. Thank you for shutting me down. There is magic or tragic in your connections, in your relationships, in your sphere. The tragic happens when there are people who are in your solar system who are always pulling you down. They're not lifting you up, they're pulling you down. First Corinthians 15, verse 33 says, don't be deceived, don't fool yourself, don't fool your mama, <laughs> don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. And I think we, we all know, we could put this in, negative company corrupts positive if you have a pair of white gloves on and you start working in the garden, I mean, you know, it's easier to get the gloves dirty than to get the dirt (laughs) glovey. Who's in your sphere? Who's in your circle? Even Jesus cleared people out who were doubting when he was about ready to perform a miracle. And he got everybody out of the room except for people who were full of faith because he knew he needed a team that could own an atmosphere that would allow a miracle to take place. And if Jesus had to do it, I think we need to do it. I think we need to understand. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be friends with all kinds of people. That is not what I'm saying. I think we should be friends with anybody that we can be friends with. But I'm talking about your real sphere, the people that are around you, that if you want to enlarge your sphere, here's what Paul said, as your faith grows, our sphere grows together. It wasn't all just Paul. It actually was somewhat dependent on the people that were around him. And this is, I can't tell you how important this idea is, is understanding that who is on your team and who is around you and who is doing life with you matters so very much. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says, 2 is better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Two's always better than one. <laughs> connected is always better than isolated. And, and uh, so I'm, I, I'm saying to you that you got to stay connected to the right people. Yeah, you got to remove the wrong people out of your world because they're not going to help you get to where God wants you to go, but you got to stay connected. And the, the, the thing that can start to happen is that we could start to say, I'll just do it myself. It's easier just to do it myself. It's less painful just to do it myself. It's less messy just to do it myself. But I'm saying if it's just you in an isolated little world, that's going to be a very small world. You've got to have the ability to stay connected. Two is better than one. In this passage in Ecclesiastes, goes on to say a threefold cord can, will not be broken easily. And so the, the more people of faith, the more people of, of, of encouragement, the more people who are positive that are in your world, the further you're going to go. And the more isolated you get, the, the less you're going to go. Proverbs 18.1 says, he who separates himself seeks his own desire, and he quarrels against all sound wisdom. NIV gives us this idea, he who isolates himself. I'm talking about the, the, the either magic or tragic connections that are going to be in your world, because... God has created us that there is, I know somebody might not like the word magic, but it rhymes with tragic, so I'm sorry. (laughs) But you got to get this. God has created the way things work. That there is exponential power, influence, strength, grace in together and if, if together is the best way to live guess what the enemy is going to attack your relationships your team your together Ephesians 4 says this, Speak the truth in love. We're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body is being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. This is what causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. This is the way God designed life to be. The whole body is fitted and held together. God has divine connections that are essential for your life. And without those connections, you are incomplete. There's a part of your destiny that's held in someone else. There's a piece of what's going to be the best for your life that's going to require somebody else being in your world. And that's what Paul is recognizing. As your faith grows, our sphere grows. I I can bring everything I want to bring and everything I can bring to this. But ultimately, it's, it's the people who are in the sphere. Your destiny is tied up in a connection. Your sphere cannot grow without others in it. And you got to win the battle of isolation. Am <laughs> I talking to anybody? You got to win the battle of isolation. I know it's messy. I know it's painful. Uh, I I know it seems slower. I know it seems harder, I know it seems you might be able to do it better by yourself, but I'm telling you, there is magic in your connections. I think that's what we've got to start to understand about church, because church is not just a meeting to consume. Church is not just a place to go. God puts you, God puts every believer I believe into a local church. This is your family. This this is your assignment. And I think our Western world has has created a situation where people just go to where their favorite meal is being served. So if Suzette said, we're going to eat broccoli for dinner tonight and i called ryan and said what are y'all eating god's called us not just to believe but to belong christianity is not just you and jesus it's not just this isolated relationship with the lord when we accept Christ, he joins us to his body. He joins us to his church. You're joined to something. You don't join, you are joined. You and you are connected to something. And when when, when God is thinking church, he's thinking more than a building. Come on. Church is more than a building. It's not a place I go. It's a life I share. Uh, i'm glad we have a building my family is more than my house i'm glad we have a house to have family in but ultimately my family is way more than the house and the church is more than a building and the church is more than a meeting even though we have them but here's i'm saying to be in a church is to be relationally connected in covenant with real people like there is someone that knows your name that you know their name It isn't just coming to this meeting and listening to the loud music and a message and then heading back to the house. That's not church. That's a meeting. There's something that God has called us to do accomplish together that I cannot accomplish on my own and you cannot accomplish on your own as your faith grows so our sphere grows anybody with me on this and I'm encouraging you one to consider deleting some of the tragic connections, or at least moving them to peripheral, right? And recognize that there is a divine, supernatural, excuse me for using the word again, magic, the exponential power of being connected to your team. Anybody with me on this? You hearing me? Amen. I want to pray together today. Would you bow your heads please and close your eyes. Father, I pray in today for all of us that our hearts and lives will be open to you enlarging the sphere of our influence, the sphere of our responsibility, the sphere of our impact. I'm praying for marriages, I'm praying for families, I'm praying for friendships, I'm praying for businesses, I'm praying for our church. God, that we will embrace this together. I want to, I want to just take a moment to say, if you've not really ever put Jesus at the center of your solar system, at the center of your sphere, no, you, you are never going to find life, your life, until you find God. and. I want to pray with you today, maybe you've never actually just opened your heart and fully submitted your life to the Lordship of Jesus. I would love to pray with you. If you're here today and possibly there was a day when you know you were closer to God than you are today, and it's time for you to come back. I want to pray with you, or if you're here today and you feel unsure about where you stand with God, I don't want anybody to leave this room without a sense of confidence that Jesus is the Lord of your life, Jesus is at the center of your life, and that you are connected to Him in a a real way, in a meaningful way. So if you say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be, where I want to be, where I know I could be or should be, would you pray with me? I just want you to lift your hand right now and say, Yeah, that's me, pray for me, all over this room, just say, yeah, I wanna make sure, God bless you. Anybody else, just say, yeah, I know I need God, I know I need to come back, I know I need to get right, God bless you. Anybody else, come on, thank you so much. Amen, This 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 is a call to open your heart, not a call to get your act together, A call to open your heart. He will put your act together if you will open your heart. Is there anybody else that just says, yeah, pray for me. I want to be included in this. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you for everybody who raised your hand. We're we're with you in every way. I want us all to pray this prayer together. This is for those who lifted their hand, but I would like for us all to pray together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus. I open my life to your love, to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my sin. Today, I'm forgiven. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be amen come on let's thank the lord together amen